Good morning, 9.05 on the dot. Morning's Lone Star, Dick and Skippy. I'm Skippy, he's still Dick over there. Skippy Monday morning. There's a storm coming. Dick's not gonna say it, so everyone say it with me. I know. Uh, right now, weather's kind of overcast. Uh, uh, temperature's like 78 degrees, 79 degrees. Uh, but we're going to be getting up to uh, low 80s today. And right about the time we're supposed to go off the air, Dick, that's when the storms be happening. So let's hope that Skippy doesn't PTSD and start, you know, I, I couldn't what sleep last night. When are you going to go get help? Because I think my... I, I, it's either every time it's going to rain, you're going to say PTSD. I'll... So if you keep saying that, I get worried. So if you're if you're struggling with rain... No, you know my the, dog has the same problem. I know, and I, so, do, I do the same thing as the dog. I, I curl curl up under your covers. I wet myself, and so we need to figure something out. Miss Skippy's not going to appreciate that every single time. You're right. Well, unless I move to planet Arrakis, yeah, you know, I'm just going to have to deal with the rains when they come. Didn't they come with Paul? Eventually, so well, with, only in the movie because in the books that's what actually would kill the spice. So you don't want there to be rain. That's the difference between reading the book and watching the movie. Well, didn't that the whole idea because the people would leave and that's what they wanted? Well, no, they just wanted to control the spice. Yeah, but they but the, the indigenous indigenous how do you pronounce it? Atreides? No, like the 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 people who were originally from Arrakis. The, the Fremen. Yeah, they wanted them to leave. So that's a good way to get them to leave, isn't it? But it also destroys your one I mean, export. What's funny is I watched Avatar last night and that's the same thing. You right? Pretty much. Yeah. Just, yeah, well, just without the, you know, sand and stuff. Well, they want them to leave the planet. That, well, yeah, we everyone wants them to leave the planet. If you're on a planet, someone else comes, you want them to leave. It's like uh, the whole Katrina Rita thing. You know, come hang out for a while, let your and leave. house drive out, and then get the heck out. Go back. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I've been watching Babylon 5, and I really like that show a lot. Have you ever seen it? I did. I didn't keep up with it's it. It's on Amazon Prime, and Ooh. I watched it. It's a it's an older show, but one thing I like about it is it brings up like social questions and things. So, and one of the big issues, the reason Babylon Five exists, is so they could bring all the aliens to have a central equal hub. Mm -hmm. Do you think when aliens we do, if we ever do encounter aliens, do you think there's ever going to be like pro human race like revolts and things like that? Yeah, well, you we can also look, repeat at, ourselves, look at any X-Men storyline, too. Whenever there's something different, mutants yeah. or aliens or something, there's always going to be that subsect. But here's the funny thing, you know, and unfortunately, the Zack Snyder Superman reboot just kind of ruined it for me. Humankind, if slash when the aliens show up, we can deal with it because, you know, we've dealt with Superman for, what, yeah, that was a 70 little weird. years? That was a little weird. And no one cares, you know, so Superman's proof positive there's life on other planets. And... Life goes on. So wh whatever the reasoning for, you know, hiding Roswell out and stuff like that. Because that's why, and that also gives you a reason why Batman's the best superhero, because he's not a superhero. He's just a hero. He's just a He's man. the Cape Crusader. With his ward named Dick. Yeah. Did Dick. you want to grow up to be Dick Grayson? Uh, no, because doesn't he die in one of the uh, plot lines? <laughs> no, well, well, everyone dies at some point, but no, it was uh, Jason who, uh, okay. uh, Dick Grayson finally becomes Nightwing, uh, and there have been other Robins, and, okay. and Jason is the one who, who gets killed by the Joker. Yeah, I was reading that the uh, there was a, a, a screenplay treatment for Batman Beyond, uh, an actual real-life film of it. So I thought that was pretty interesting. 
Oh. Hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. The other cartoon? Like yeah, the, where it's... it's Bruce it's Wayne's like 60 or 90 something. He's, how old is he supposed to be in that? He's old enough to where he has a cane. I know that. But that could be like... He'd be 50. Dude, I'm 52. I need a cane. Well, he could be like 50. Because imagine his body yeah, after, at I'm 50. He just... <laughs> well, he has a Lazarus pit, right? Didn't he have control of that at one point? And one of the isn't that like what the Lazarus Pit? That's a Doctor Who thing. No, no, it's not. That's Ra's al Ghul. But okay, but Doctor Who also had an episode called the Lazarus Pit. No, that's a whole episode where they want Batman to be like. There's a whole timeline where they want Batman to be the next Ra's al Ghul, which is they did in the Batman Begins movie. Mm-hmm. But then he had uh, access to the pit for a while. So does it rejuvenate his? I don't know. Well, I think that knees. was the thing where it's like he didn't, he never used it, or he did. I mean, I don't know which timeline we're talking about. There's so many different versions of Batman. I know, right? Would you use it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what an opportunity to like get rid of the aches and pains and get the hair back. You betcha. Do you think your you think your personality would change if you knew immortality was achievable? No. You don't think you think you would still do C three productions, still come in the morning. Yeah, because you just think you still do the same thing. Just because you're immortal doesn't mean you have to you can stop paying the bills. That's true. You know what else came to Amazon Prime? What? Highlander, the TV series. Awesome. So I want to definitely check that out. Awesome. Did you watch it when it was out? Oh yeah. Okay. I, I, it was one of those uh, shows that it was on like Saturday mornings, Sunday mornings after cartoons, and so. As I got older, I'd sleep in and not watch cartoons, but I watched those. Shows, you know, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. the timeline worked out. Wait, are you but, talking the animated series? Or no, the I'm live talking about the live action with Adrian movie. Paul. Yeah. Okay, so nice. It was that Beastmaster, and then there was like two other. It was Hercules, Xena. They had like a little action pack. Well, I remember on a, it was Saturday or Sunday nights because um, I was working at a job where I was by myself. It was in this room by myself, and I was able to watch TV. And so Channel Thirty Nine had this uh, block where it was Star Trek Next Generation, it was War of the Worlds, um, Jerry O'Connell and My Secret Identity. Um, oh, uh, God, Bert, uh, Burt Reynolds played the voice of the dad, a uh, girl who's half alien, Out of This World. That's the show? Yeah, it was called Out of This World. Yeah, I'm looking it up. Um, Doug McClure was in it. Now, is this one of those shows that was like six episodes and then it got canceled? No, no. Actually, um, Out of This World lasted for a while. It was this girl who finds out her dad is an alien and she's got these powers. And so every year they give her a new power on her birthday. Yeah, uh, four seasons. Yeah. It, it didn't reach 100 episodes, though. That's got to suck. No. Then there was My Secret Identity, where Jerry O'Connell has this kid lives next door to a mad scientist and kid gets superpowers. So he calls himself Ultraman. So he can like... He can float, but he can't fly, so he learns how to use, like, aerosol cans to direct his, his flight. Um, and then War of the Worlds, first season was awesome. Second season just blew chunks. It was like Highlander 2. You got people involved that had no idea what was what. Well, they just wanted to skip ahead. Yeah, it was terrible. And then, of course, Next Generation. Okay. Well, yeah. But I just want to let you know that stuff's available if you're a nerd. You, you can cool. consume that like crazy. Awesome. No, I've been binging um, at night. Mrs. Skippy and I have been binging uh, uh, Walking Dead because we're, we're, we're... You like, finally have a house with AC and everything? Yes. Okay. House, AC, TV, everything. Oh, yeah. My office uh, and, uh, you know, a guest coming on later this morning, Brett, he and Donna, his wife, totally helped out. In fact, they helped... Uh, uh, feed Mrs. Skippy's uh, refurbishing beastie 
What are we talking about? We got here? this new furniture, new piece of furniture that that my wife just had to have. Okay. And so they facilitated it. Brett did offer to lose it for a price, but I couldn't meet his price, so we he, they delivered it. There's a fire in the backyard. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, but uh, did you have a good Father's Day? Yeah, it was it was pretty quiet. Trying to catch up on some work. Um, my mother and wife took me out to Olive Garden for lunch, a late lunch, early dinner. Okay. And other than that. So you went to Luby's? No, Olive Garden. Oh, I mean, it's the same idea, right? Well, no, Luby's. Actually, Olive Garden and Luby's are practically the same type of person who goes to see the, the goes to eat there. True. I feel like it is. True, but Luby's to me and is only, comfort. I only base it off my grandfather. No, Luby's <laughs> is also a lot cheaper than, than Olive Garden. Is it? They, they charge for the dipping sauce now at Olive Garden. They were like, I they had so like unlimited breadsticks. breadsticks well, yeah, so. you got the breadsticks, but the, uh, the you know, would you. Would you like marinara, fettuccine, or five cheese dipping sauce? So we each chose a dipping sauce. Like, yeah, sounds good. Charge three fifty each. How big? A little so it's saucer. like a queso. So it's like a queso. Uh, less than a queso, but okay. Well, you know, what my favorite thing happened was uh, all my brothers who were dads basically said, "For Father's Day, I don't want to do anything," so they didn't come to Father's Day. <laughs> Isn't that pretty? I thought it was really funny, but I felt really bad. I mean, I made, I did ribs, I did briskets, and I did a chicken. Where and are they? I'll, help, well, I'll we, celebrate. I, we divvied it up. I'll celebrate with you. So, but it was really funny because it's like I, my mom was. I kept asking my mother, I was like, "How many people are coming?" And she's like, "I don't know. They haven't responded yet." So I finally started calling, and it's like, "Oh yeah, he didn't want to do anything. I don't want to do anything. I don't really. I just didn't want to do anything today. It's my Father's Day." So I was like, okay, well, y'all sure to call dad and let him know. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Uh, did I tell you, my son got me a DNA test Yeah, for, for Father's Day. So I, I spit in the tube and sent it off, and he called me yesterday, and he talked about all the cool stuff you learn with this test. Okay. All the health markers. So you and, got it back. I haven't gotten it back, but okay. uh, what you can do, this company, you can compare the results. If you, if you have, like, your family circle, it'll mix it all together, and uh, so I'll— because I, I know what his markers are, but my markers may be different, so we'll be able to compare them. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I just the food was good though. I was good. I, I wouldn't know. Yeah, I never. I always bring you food. You brought me the ribs. Yeah, they were good. Brisket, you can't though. That's my dad. Like my dad likes brisket all day, like mm-hmm. for the whole week. That's what he'll eat. So and you that was my Father's Day gift to him. I was like, here's this brisket. beautiful brisket. Just give him a handwritten card. It was in the brisket. <laughs> No, all soggy. <laughs> but uh, you know what? My favorite also my this weekend. It had one of those weird days when it rained during while it was sunny, mm-hmm. so everything was white outside. That's how I knew it was raining because it was reflecting so much. And I'm like, "What's going on out there?" And then uh, so that was interesting. So you think the big rain's coming? There's a storm coming, but it's coming. To, it's coming to the coast, right? Or is it already here? Well, Mister Weather Map. So I got the Weather Channel app on my phone, and it has. The, you know, the radar map, which is handy, shows where the rains are and where they've been, but it's also got a future track on the radar map. Okay. And so, so here I am with the little blue dot in the center of my screen, right? So, and let me shrink it down a bit. So See, let's do the, so this is over the next few hours. Oh, cool. It's like we're all getting poisoned. You're right. Right. You're right. Right. All right, we got to take a break here on Morning to Lone Star. Okay. We got a special guest. We have, uh, I'm, I'm going to apologize to Brett. I read on my phone because it's like, it just says the first, I thought it was a woman because it said, I thought, I don't know why. And when you were, when I saw you, Brett, I was like, 
Wait a second. And that's when I asked Sean. I was like, it's bread, oh, bread, bread, yeah. That's awesome. I can't wait to have it. Brett has come to regale us this morning. So if you tune in for Brett, it's perfect. If you you got a question for Brett, he's one of our most active users on Facebook Live. But we are on YouTube Live and we're online at IRLoneStar.com. And then, of course, Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1. We will be right back here on Lone Star Community Radio. Into this house we're born. Conroe Coffee is a local coffee shop located in the heart of downtown Conroe at 206 North Main Street, Conroe, Texas. Between the Crichton Theater and the Owen Theater, Conroe Coffee serves breakfast, lunch, and dinner, along with tasty treats and Italy's favorite coffee. Have your favorite coffee or just have a midday snack be personally delivered to you at any location in downtown Conroe. All you have to do is call 936 Conroe C or 936-266-7632. We'd like to thank our sponsor at Conroe Coffee for supporting Mornings with Lone Star and Lone Star Community Radio. Don't forget to check them out online at ConroeCoffee.com. Welcome back to Mornings with Lone Star, brought to you by Conroe Coffee and Clean Sweep Office Cleaning here every weekday morning from 9 to 11 a.m. That's us. Yeah, sorry, I had to <laughs> correct myself. Yeah, I had to snort, huh? Okay, yeah, well, it is already 920 on the dot. Temperature is gonna only gonna go up another few degrees. I guess that's the plus side to this. And uh, yeah, next few days through Thursday, mid-80s with thunderstorms, but Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday's gonna clear up and go back into the 90s. Uh, wow, humidity's already at 95%, and the official Lone Star Community radio weather tree outside lets me know the winds are coming in at seven miles an hour out of the east this time, which lets us know there's a storm coming. We'll get you help, Skippy. Okay. We'll get you help. You know, you brought up during the break that you uh, auditioned for a dinner theater mystery. Dinner detective. It's, it's called The Dinner Detective. So that's the business. That's the so business. if you go on Google and you type in The Dinner Detective in Houston. Well, they're in different cities, so you click okay. on the Houston one. And uh, so I had auditioned before and got cast, but what you have to do before you can actually be in the show, you have to watch one of the shows okay. to, to see how it goes and, um, and be part of not the show itself, but just to, to watch it. And so that was Saturday night. And it was, it was pretty fun. Good cast. Uh, some friends. Uh, this is one where... Uh, where do they host it? At the Doubletree downtown. So there's no blank guns and stuff like that. Uh, there is a gun shop, but they warn people beforehand. Yeah, I'm about to say, you know, that one that one guy in Doubletree upstairs, like, whoa, whoa, somebody got shot. Yeah, no, they, they warn people 30 times. There's going to be a gunshot. Don't deal, you know. Uh, and it was funny because the, the point when the gunshot came, uh, it happens outside the door. You know, someone goes stomping out and someone else is supposed to come in saying, ah, I've been shot. Well... If you've been in theater, or especially dinner theater, you know that there's always one guy who's ha- who's like half a beer away from just being a total poopy head. You know, the one that gets in there, thinks the show's about him. Yeah, this and that. And this guy's name was uh, Boris, because everyone has a name tag where they come out with a, a, a pseudonym for themselves. And he came out with Boris. And it was Boris's birthday or his wife's birthday or something. And they were already two and a half sheets to the wind by the time they showed what up. What does that saying mean? 
Three, well, three sheets of the wind means you're drunk. But why? Like sheets, like you like your hanging sheets? No, it's from it's a it's sailing, sailing days, right? Sailing days. Okay, so you have three sheets up. You have you. That means you don't have a line controlling controlling the mast, controlling the sail. Okay. So the sheets the, the, the sheets are all to the wind. It's like a helicopter without the tail rotor. Oh, yeah. so you're just going around it's circles? Yeah. Or? Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. You're higgledy piggledy. Interesting. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Continue. So I anyhow, love sailing stuff. So in between each break, you know, because like you have the first part, the body comes out, some clues are given out, then people break for their salad, and then you come back and dinner. So it's in four acts. And between acts two and three, we're in the green room talking. It's like, you know, Boris is seriously like two sips away on his drink from just doing something stupid. And sure enough. Could uh, not be. Nobody with name like Boris well, he would could ever be drunk. That. Drunk is what Americans do. Russians are never drunk. You he, name Boris, you always sober, no he, matter how much vodka you drink. And he, he tried that. He tried doing the accent and stuff. It just was not working. Well, he finally just... Hey, the, it was Brett. Is that, is that what I'm... Ah, is this the twist ending? <laughs> In the middle of, you know, we know the gunshot's about to happen. He just stands up, flings back his chair and says, so-and-so's the killer, and walks out the door right when the gunshot happens on the other side of the door and plows into the actress who's running in. So she comes in staggering. So they thought... Actually, that's pretty funny. It's funny, but it, in its own way, it helps. I'm sorry for the actress. Well, it was, uh, if you know Jada August, it was Jada. Oh, my God. Who's like three foot six, but but feisty as all get out. And um, so people thought, because everyone has to decide who the who the oh, killer is. okay. And so like half the audience at that point figured it was, thought it was Boris. Because um, it's like, wow, he just went out there and shot the woman. Yeah, so that was fun. There's, you got well, maybe that should inspire the writer for the next one. Is try to like that to make it more realistic. Well, no, see, the cast members are trained because part of the training, you know, we're getting is how to deal with the unruly cast. Well, no, I understand that, but it's but more it of so you, fast. you throw the audience off, mm -hmm. and if they make them feel uncomfortable because they get like, I guess they get dis. Uh, what's the correct word? Where the the, the suspicion of belief gets even worse because you're like, is this guy really drunk? Like, this is getting kind of weird. And then that could confuse them. Yeah, yeah. You're trying to figure out if this is part of the show or not. Yeah. And because, in fact, the murderer. You should do a Me Too thing. <laughs> and people get really I'm weird, a, real weird. I'm Spartacus. <laughs> I'm Spartacus. But so I can't give. I actually had to sign non-disclosure agreements. It's awesome. So I can't give anything away. But no, I, I, I the really want to check it out. I, and the thing that kind of concerns me is this is a huge room, isn't it? There's like 100 <laughs> people eating there. Well, uh, it's like a, a quarter ballroom size. It's one of the upstairs meeting rooms. But it's not small, you know. I'm surprised like businesses don't do this as a networking. Oh, they show. do. There are, apparently there are a lot of private parties. Well, the private parties I get because it's like fun, but it, it sounds like you're at a table with ten people. Uh, probably about six or eight to a table, them. two, four, and a dozen tables. So it was a, over a hundred people. Okay. And well, I'll make sure I, to. I I'll, I'll make sure when I come to Boris it, and then really confuse people. Hopefully by <laughs> then I'll be the detective and I can like. Don't you know this guy, Sean? Club you on the head. Don't you know? <laughs> yeah, you're not big enough to Boris it. That's true. You'll have to hire a guy. I know a guy who could Boris it. I know a guy who could Boris it into the into the stratosphere. About nine feet tall, shoulders about as wide. How as much the would window. that cost? How much would it cost to pay an actor to go with you to one of these things? It's like, here's the deal, Boris. This is why I want you to act drunk and then, like, throughout the night, just make a fool of yourself and then ruin the whole <laughs> night. We got to figure out a way to ruin the whole night. How much would an actor be like, okay, I'll do it. Boris would do it for $150 unless you told him that there would be a hidden TV camera and he could use it on YouTube, which he'd do it for free. You think so? Mm-hmm. 
Maybe 50 bucks. Yeah, but I feel like that... Madison would do it for 50 bucks and free drinks. I feel like the level of talent would jump down if you just did it for free. Like, if you're paying gig, you get, like, real authentic, let's ruin this dinner party. equity dinner detective uh, performer. There you go. No, you get the hungry one. One of the actors... One of the things you learn when you direct community theater in Houston is experience and payment have nothing to do with the skill of the actor. Well, I think there's, there's a middle ground. There's a middle ground to it. it. There's a middle ground well, I mean, there's, probably, there's... but I've known actors who were just the most awful things in the world and were just hot and ready to put, jump into actor's equity and get paid whatever people money. get paid. Yeah. $14 an hour for rehearsals plus $422 for a small show per show. So you do know this? Yeah. That's so you were asking that question the other day. Yeah, and I put it on I put it on Facebook. Oh, I didn't see that. Sean, you're supposed to be doing Facebook. <laughs> you're doing Facebook. You're doing Facebook. Your mama did Facebook. So when does it <laughs> when does this all start for the dinner? Oh, so the official name is The Dinner Detective. The Dinner Detective. Dot com. Dot com. And you can reserve a seat. Mm-hmm. And that includes food. That includes food. And the entertainment. And the entertainment. So it's like medieval times. Bar. Yeah, without the lusty bar wenches and the and the jousting. Well, it sounds like you just need to rewrite the script. I'm working That's on it. That's what it sounds like. I'm new. I g- g- give me a couple now, of weeks. Do they make them where there's time periods? No, and that's what separates this one from a lot of the others. This is... Because the concept sounds so much fun, and I've seen it on TV, on like, you know, TV shows and stuff. Mm. I go, man, that, is that really that fun? But it sounds like fun. So this one is just normal. Like, you can wear whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Well, not, let's not wear whatever you want. Wear, wear and actors are in at the table. Tire. Um, no, no, well, uh, you can't wear shorts. Like if I'm jeans. inviting Holly to go with me, what should she's going to ask? What do I wear? What do you tell this young lady what to wear? Um, business casual. Business casual. Mm-hmm. Okay. What would you wear if you were going to the DoubleTree Inn? It's. Oh, it's I would wear dinner. my normal clothes. Yeah. Because I'm staying at the DoubleTree Inn. Yeah, what you're yeah, wearing the, the right Double now, Tree's Dick? A, fi- a nicer hotel. What you're wearing now is probably good. Yeah, but, you know, no T-shirts. Ready. And, and so there's actually a dress code for us because we have to be able to blend in because yes, the actors I was wondering. interspersed. And so those actors get dinner, you know, and they're talking with the— uh, and, and then when the uh, oh, talking with their table mates, and then when the host comes out and says, "Listen, the game already started like 20 minutes ago." While you guys, well, talking, I can't sit next to you. Any one of these could be, well, or I could just be there because I want to have dinner. Yeah, I don't know. We could make it work, but no, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm interested. So it starts when for you? Uh, well, I went. I it's called shadowing. I shadowed the first one, so you now, don't want to tell people when you start, basically. No, but I, from now on, I'm available. They do it a few times a month, and there's there's rotating cast, of okay. course. And so when you put on your availability for the next two that months. That sounds so much fun. How and, long is it? Oh, uh, well, for the dinner people, it went from like seven to nine-ish. Okay. Because the, the whole idea is you're eating food, but you're guessing who the murderer is. Like right. every participating member goes, here's your piece, here's your index card, put down who you think it is. Yeah, everyone gets clue, the same clues, but the, the table didn't necessarily have to work together. In fact, they say if you figured it out, or you think you have, don't tell your table mates because there's a single winner who gets a really decent prize. Oh. Mm-hmm. So the person who guesses the killer, and if more than one, then it's like who can narrow down the, the reason. Killer the killer is always an actor, right? It's never one of those twists where it happened to be just a patron. I can neither confirm See, that's or cool. deny. That's exciting. That's really cool. All yeah. right. Well, yeah. Okay. I like that. That's a lot of fun. It, it's going to be a lot of fun. Okay. Perfect date night. Right? Yeah. A lot of people got into it. 
Uh, and you can stay at the double tree, so you just get totally loaded like Boris and just walk upstairs. We were hoping that Boris and his wife were staying there because he was. Uh, and now is this the double tree on Westheimer? No, uh, this is the one. It's in downtown Houston uh, on like Bagby. Okay. And Allen Parkway. Yeah, I know, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Right across, the, pretty much around the corner from the Hyatt Regency. Yeah. So yeah, nice, nice digs, great, great entertainment, and if you're lucky, you catch me there. Okay. Yeah. Have you ever participated in something like this, Brett? What? You ever participated <laughs> in something like this? Well, we did the... Because you're an actor, I right? stopped listening. Oh, 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 So, one thing I want to know about no, y'all's I history... I, I, I did one for a party for my for my wife. Okay, so she, she goes, was, hey, I want to have a party, and you go, I got a yeah, great idea. So we did a, I'm going to do a dinner mystery. That was her idea. Okay. I, I never write for free unless somebody pays me. Um, so your wife paid you? That's a nice birthday well, gift. Oh, she paid. Yes, right. she did. She paid. <laughs> uh... So we did this one, Love and you, it Donna. turned out to be enough of a success that another friend of ours actually did pay me and my wife to, yeah. to create one for her 40th birthday party, I think. And that turned out to be great success, and then we never did it again. Well, I mean, any, like any live production, it's probably difficult to put on, but it's always fun to execute. So w would you say... And your involvement in theater was this just as much involvement as doing like a stage play, or is it a lot more fun? Kind of like doing the radio plays. Mm -hmm. There's a little bit more tech. There's different techniques going into it. Plus, you only you don't have to rehearse for three months. Right. And, that, no, uh, that's the nice thing about yeah. the Dinner Detective. The rehearsal is now that we've shadowed and we have the scripts beforehand. The rehearsal is literally two hours yeah, during the night. Of, you're improvising you some, right? Yeah, a it's, lot of it's improv. A lot of it. You have to it, stick to the script with, with the talking points with the clues, the clues and, stuff. and certain gaps. Did you do that That's, when you wrote it? That was pretty much it. Is the, the whole, all of the rehearsal was getting everybody familiar with their character, getting everybody familiar with the clues that they were supposed to know, the ones that were supposed to be able to give out and when they were supposed to give them out. Yeah. And that was it. Everything else was almost 100% improv. How do you... With the dinner, how do you get each table to hear the clue? Because I imagine, like, the six people at your table are giving clues throughout the conversations. Oh, no, oh, no, no. The the, the, the plants on the tables, they're audience members, meaning, that, you know, they're, like, as shocked as anyone else. If there are two detectives. Come, basically, the and body the comes ones, in the room. Uh, okay. Body okay. comes in, Let's dies, and then they get the body out, the detectives, and then they're like, okay, this is now a crime scene. And, uh, you know, we need help with this because we're really bad detectives. And so every table gets the clues that they find. Here, we're going right. to go make copies of this clue. And, that's and cool. That's do it. Yeah. You guys are pretty interesting. <laughs> now, could you do one that's like a real threatening scenario where people actually feel like they're in danger? Yeah, that's more of a haunted house thing. This one, it's you want people to feel comfortable. You don't want to freak freak him out this is for the whole family. so my idea is we could have it but not tell anybody that it's a murder mystery so it's just like oh come hang out at dick's house and then somebody's like running around outside with a knife and stuff like that you think that would go well with everybody no yeah, that would until, never go well that kind neighbor, of thing never ever until goes until the well. armed neighbor says i'm gonna yeah. save you <laughs> Oof, that would be wonderful yeah that actually that kind of reminds me of the gunshot story uh-oh. So we'll, we'll, you want to say the gunshot story for the yeah, next break? Yeah. Oh, okay. So we were doing a... We're not, no, next I'll break. Say, I'll say next, for the next break. Yeah, next break. break. All right. It's 9.33 here on Mornings with Lone Star. IRLoneStar.com. We'll be right back with Brett and also Skippy and me. The world on you depends on Clean Sweep Office Cleaning has been Montgomery County's business cleaning service since 2002. 
offering professional office cleaning in areas such as restroom, stairwells, elevator, floor care, pretty much every angle of your office. One-time cleaning is available, but you will want these guys back. Offering daily, weekly, monthly scheduled cleanings, Clean Sweep Office Cleaning works around your business needs. Schedule a cleaning today online at cleansweepofficecleaning.com or call 832-689-7996. Clean Sweep Office Cleaning. Take back your time and let us make your office shine. Mornings with Lone Star is sponsored by Clean Sweep Office Cleaning. Welcome back, 937 here on Lone Star Community Radio. The rain's coming, folks, so be careful the next couple days. Oh, no. See, that's what you do. There's a storm coming. You know, we proved that that's not normal, right? I know. It's out there enough. No, it's not. Well, there's a storm coming as a trope. Someone didn't waste hours of their time editing a montage of I knows. They just said, oh, look, there's a storm coming. That's it. They never followed up with I know. Well, they were lazy. Yeah. Hey, Linda Hamilton says it, so it doesn't matter who else says it. Okay, that's that's fair enough. Yeah, right. That's fair enough. Have you seen the, uh, her in her old woman makeup? Or they're doing a new Terminator movie. Really? Yeah. Let me look it up. And uh, apparently they're like slicing through all the reboots and alternate timelines and stuff like that. Okay. Let's go back. That that's your Linda Hamilton. I know. Well, not that's your Linda Hamilton, really. No, not my Linda Hamilton. Just the response. The I know. I'm just saying, Linda Hamilton says that you say Linda Hamilton. Hamilton says that, but you kept saying. I know. Well, it's because... In, I thought in, it was a Batman thing. Well, in other movies, every time someone I'm says Batman. there's a storm coming, people tend to say, I know. And Dick just... No, they don't. Yeah, well, in my universe, they do. See, I was trying to tell him that. And I looked <laughs> it up because like, I know the, there's, there's a like storm. like three movies on the planet where that happens. Yeah. Well, that's three more than otherwise. <laughs> but there's more movies that say there's a storm coming with nothing following well, it. Well, and that's just lazy writing because so, you're supposed to answer with... It's like, I'll see you in hell. I'll see you first. How many movies has that? You uh, first, probably three. five, and it's usually followed with somebody getting shot in the face. But again, we all but we like, all I'll know see you that in hell, trope. You first, blam. Yeah, but we all know that trope. Even yeah. though it made three movies, it's still five events don't really make a trope. Yeah, I'll see you in hell. Is is uh, no? Hold on, we got to find that one out. No, I'll see you in hell is a trope. The you first response. Oh, that's what I'm saying. The, the response to the trope. He's, he, what world are you living in? A world where it doesn't rain? Oh, that's Fantasy cold. World? That's cold. Fantasy man. world. <laughs> so I want to hear the story about because uh, y'all have been acting together before, and <laughs> we have acted together. Yes. And Actually, to be honest, we've only done a few shows where we both shared the stage. Yeah, first time. one was an Agatha Christie where I got called in at the last minute. I wasn't in it. You weren't in that one? I wasn't in oh, that Donna one. was. Donna was in that. I wasn't in that. Yeah, Donna played my wife, and that was the one where the uh, the tape broke because it was before the days of CDs, and there there's a sound effect that's like vital to the plot, and it's not happening. We look in the tech booth, and the guy's hauling out the broken cassette tape, and yeah. Yeah, that's the one where Joe lost his silver dollar. You're talking about too many memories. So I want to yeah, hear. I want to hear the story about shooting a blank gun. Oh. And getting in trouble. Or but, whatever the result was of shooting the starter and, blank, yeah. not just a normal stage blank, but a starter blank to a race. Yeah, it's yeah, it's important to the story to understand that there are two kinds of blanks. There are starter blanks and there are acorn blanks. Acorn blanks are these tiny, tiny little pinched off capsules that have almost no gunpowder that are used for driving nails and they're used on stage as blanks. Um, 
starter blanks are much longer. They're much louder because racers have to be able to hear them. And uh, they sound like a serious real gun doing serious real bad things. So we were doing a show that wasn't really, well, it was a, it was an anthology show that we were doing and Skippy was directing and I ended up somehow being tech because the person who was supposed to be tech ended up bailing out for reasons that we won't discuss because I don't know what they are. Um, well, when you say bailing out, I think you kind of hit it on the head. I'm not, what? Oh, 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 ba gotcha, gotcha. Bailing out. Bailing out. Anyhow, yeah, so it's one of those 24-hour play things where you have 24 hours to create it. So we're all racing around. I'm hitting Academy because we're literally running out of time. All they have are the... But this is for the stage, stuff. right? Not for movies. No, this is for stage. Okay. I'm trying to understand, like, where people are watching this. Okay. So I bring back okay. the blanks. Red, take over. So he brings back the blanks, and I say, and and... I decided to, to gun wrangle because you never, ever leave a loaded weapon, no matter what is in it, on stage, anywhere near actors, because actors are all handsy and they do stupid things. Every single one of them. I mean, some of them are the most beautiful, most intelligent people on the planet, but you put them backstage with anything cool and they will do something stupid and bad things happen. So I take control of the gun and I look at the blanks and they're starter blanks, which are big loud noise, which is, this is a small venue with maybe 150 seats. So you saw this, right? 300 seats. You saw this. You saw that there were starter blanks. I saw that there were starter blanks. So I said, Skippy, we need, we can't use these. We have to use acorn blanks. And he's like, goodbye. Because <laughs> stage, stage fire, firearms is a pretty specialized field, even for directors. And there are, fair, there are, there are a couple of directors and a couple of technicians out there who know Enough about stage firearms to get away with it, but not a whole lot. Anyway, so I said, no, this is way too loud. Let me show you. And, I, and he said, oh, you're going to fire it off in here? I said, no, I'm not going to fire it off in here. It's too loud for in here. <laughs> we take it outside. And first of all, the starter pistol, which was just an awful 5 million-year-old starter pistol, didn't want to fire. So we finally got it to fire, and it goes off. Blam! Right next to my ear to begin with. So I was deaf for the rest of the week because I'm old and any damage is going to last forever. But that was about it. As far as we were concerned, that was about it. Skippy said, well, I'll, I'll go look for, uh, I'll go look for, what are they, Acorn? Yeah, and so he's wandering around trying to find, on his phone, walking around trying to find Acorn blanks. And then the call started coming in. From all around the heights, it was people calling in, the police calling in, wanting We're to know if somebody got battle. shot. You know, you know the old <laughs> game where you whisper in someone's ear and go and tell hey, them. Hey, you hear listener. one got shot. I'm getting calls back. And at this point, like within, what, 10, 20 minutes, it's that there's a gang battle going on near the theater that we need to take shelter. I'm like, dude, no, it was us with a starter's pistol. Then the constable shows up. And we're like, well, look, okay, you know, we're holding it out by the, by the trigger guard. Look, they start his pistol plug thing. That's your mistake. You just need to deny, deny, deny. Like, ah, I didn't hear anything. That's crazy. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, it started off with the, because uh, the theater's in a residential area and across the street. Apparently, they didn't like the theater being there anyway. So, take off from there. Yeah, they're just shooting, shooting guns left and right, like shooting in the air like cowboys. That's hilarious. Yeah. That was fun. Okay. <laughs> Did I ever tell you a story about me? I was a stage manager for our high school one-act play, and the uh, our radios got the CB radios of truckers. 
And so we're sitting there and I'm, you know, doing the backstage stuff. I had the mic and I think the, our teacher has the other headset and then two other people had the other headsets because it was like back and forth to the lighting and everything. And all these truckers started getting on and my teacher was like yelling at me to get them off. And I'm like, what do you want me to do? They're not here. Like they're, we're, we're, we're getting the signal so we can either change bands or it was really a funny thing because I was like afterwards, I was like, yeah, what do you really expect me to do? Because I felt like that's the most typical director slash power, not like power hungry kind of person. Like, just fix it. <laughs> and you're like, well, do you understand the concept of radios? No, that's why I hired you. Fix it. Yeah. And he's like, because the CB guys are like, oh, this sounds interesting. What's going to happen next? And all. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm still he- I'm still hearing it in my head. It's like, uh, yeah, tech, I need, I'm going to need that spot in three, two, one. <sighs> all right. Uh, Red Rover, you got to be able to meet me down at the Bucky's because uh, I'm looking for some. Got Smokey Bear on my six. <laughs> no, it really was like that. It was hilarious. And then I was like, oh, uh oh. I actually, only about a year or so ago, I stumbled across an old, old portable plug into your car uh, cigarette lighter uh, CB radio mm-hmm. for emergencies and unpacked it and plugged it in. And it actually worked. And I was able to tune in. I was driving to Dallas and. There was a lot of traffic, you know, one of those, everyone stopped. And I think it was before I had an app that figured out what it was. But you didn't put like that huge antenna on your car? No, it looked like an old cell phone kind of thing, you know, like a brick size with a really long antenna. So I turned it, plugged it in and turned it on. And by golly, if there weren't some truckers nearby on Breaker 1-9, Channel 19, just, just talking about, yep, left lane going up about a mile marker 42. So I'm like, hey, let's just a little skippy here. <laughs> Had to make up a name on the spot. Yeah, because they love that. They yeah. love it when somebody in a station. Yeah, I was gives like, them shit. I, I was, stuff. I was really, really, is like, hey, listen, small guy in a small car, can you help me out here? They, they were cool because I think there, no one uses CBs anymore, unless you're an ice road trucker. Yeah, yeah. So that was my fun. Thing. Okay. Well, let's get into uh, the news segments. You got any uh, good over the weekend headlines that you wanted to talk about? Well, this is something local interesting that happened. The Montgomery County Performing Arts Society. Okay. Has disbanded. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they had money in the bank. They had about 35000 in the bank. And so they presented that to the Greater Conroe Arts Alliance. Oh, so this is like under the table dealing. Okay. Well, no, no, no. It, was, it was a big, big presentation. Um, they, Montgomery County Performing Arts Society or uh, McPass had was a lot largely volunteer based, and yeah. unfortunately, a lot of them the volunteers they lost a lot. They they figured as the cost of bringing in professional talent keeps on going up, that they couldn't keep up with it. So they made a very, very difficult decision. I imagine to, to they've been around for forty years. Mm-hmm. So, so they they handed their uh, their monies over to Greater Conroe. Now, hopefully, Greater Conroe, the GCAA, will take that opportunity to expand beyond Greater Conroe into the you know some more Montgomery County areas. Do you see this being something like, like the bigger picture, where generations there's gaps in certain things, mm-hmm. like no one really could take the torch from the McPass. That's what it sounded like. No one was getting involved right so i mean do you think this is something that just happens every generation or do you think this is going to hurt really badly to all the nonprofits and volunteer organizations out there where people like my age and things aren't getting involved with their community because you know i would say 
in my from my perspective, like probably ten years ago when I was going through high school and everything, that was the only thing. The only reason anyone volunteered was to put something on their resume. That was like the, like the only reason to do it. Maybe a handful of people really found something in volunteering, you know, for something beneficial to them. But mm-hmm. now with today's culture of oh, I can get a job anywhere. I travel the country. I don't stay at home, and I don't create a home. Mm-hmm. They just rather, you know, get a job, move for four years, get a job, move for two years, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So they don't, don't feel like they need to get involved because they're going to move or, you know, life's going to kind of change on them. Do well, you-, you have a community nonprofit, then you have nonprofits in general. I mean, people love to volunteer or donate, you know, um, to some way, shape or form, even if it's if it's beyond the hashtag uh, uh, protest that I've talked about in the past, hashtagging. Boca Raton, yeah, uh, not Boca, uh, 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 Boca. The, the, Where are you going with this? The 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 bad guys who kidnapped the women in human trafficking. Boca Harim. You mean butthole? But, no, but no, it's no, Boca, Boca Haram. Boca Haram. Thank you. But uh, do you know all the answers? And you just hold off to like while we're like, rah, 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 yeah, rah, rah. and he swoops in. Yeah, I but, don't like to interrupt. That's I like oh, it. Pff, wrong, wrong show on this, <laughs> dude. You gotta dive in. But people were like, oh, hashtag, but, you know, Boko Haram didn't do anything. Didn't stop them. People, you know, the bad guys aren't looking at the hashtags and go, oh, they're hashtagging us. We have to leave. But people. <laughs> well, I mean, clearly there's volunteer like, for monetary donations are easy, easier than ever today because mm-hmm. you can do like you caring. You can do Facebook. You know, like celebrate yeah, your birthday. But each organization money. is getting less because more because you oh. can do the Facebook thing because you can do the. Okay, I'm going to give a little bit to Meals on Wheels, and then, oh, the well, dogs. Well, and realistically, then, then the I, I bet you anything, the bigger, like any nonprofit, the way they make their money is hiring a like a PR firm. Mm-hmm. Because that's the only way they can keep the budget going is if they still get people to see them Actually, and donate they, money. These days, they hire a grant writer. Okay. Because so, people aren't giving money to nonprofits anymore. People. Um, now, why do you say that? Is, based the thing off is, is what? if there's a central authority. Anytime there's a central authority, people no longer feel responsibility. In a For, okay. Responsibility. Okay. Yeah, I believe um, that. They believe the central authority will take care of it. There's actually been studies on this where people wouldn't help somebody in the street. They wouldn't stop a rape. They wouldn't do something because, well, that's what the cops do. I don't, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's actually more that kind of thing is more more common in places in New York where they don't have a uh, um, Good Samaritan law in effect. Um, like Texas has a good. Well, do you law. think so most you help people, somebody? They can't. So really, are you so, saying that most New Yorkers know about that law? They don't have a law. They don't have. A, they don't have a protection. I'm saying most Texans know. Well, well I'm trying. To, about I'm trying good to imagine like good Samaritan. Like Texas, to me, yeah, Texas, I feel like it's it's if you're born here, you always try. You're always kind of known to help each other's neighbor, be a neighbor. Mm-hmm. But in New York, are you saying the people in New York <laughs> know that there isn't a good Samaritan law, so they choose? Oh, like oh, there's a law. I can't do anything. Do you think they really think that? They do not. I don't think that they, they think that. I think that since they are not used to okay. the culture of it, they're not used to the protection that our Good Samaritan law gives people. Okay. And also because their police, their fire, their, all of their services are very, very tight, very strict. Living in Montgomery County, I mean, maybe in Conroe, y'all are close to the Conroe police station, but you live further out in Cut and sh- further out in Cut and Shoot. The sheriff. Well, the sheriff kind of. I mean, sh- yeah, but the sheriff is coming out of Conroe. And even if he's on top of it, that's a good 10, 15 minutes to get out to your house and 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 stop the guy yeah. who's holding a gun to your well, head. That's why your next guns. door neighbor will come right over. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so the further away you are from central authority, we even made that joke. If you did, uh, the more likely you are to help. If you. you fired a blank in your house, your neighbor probably won't yeah. react very well because they're like, someone's shooting somebody over there. Let me go check it out. But step outside the stage door and shoot it, and everyone gets involved. Yeah. No, I I believe yeah. I understand what you're saying. I think that's. But then when applying it to this idea where you're trying to see like McPass, it's really weird to me that McPass doesn't have anyone to pass a torch onto. But then again. You can say there's a lot more variables. That's the in- other thing. Any volunteer-run organization has a necessary life. Um, most volunteer-run organizations do not survive past the first generation. Okay. Because you've got the first generation of people who are all hot to go. They have... The motivation. A, it's you. not just that they have a motivation. They have a unique vision of what... The, uh, a unique singular vision of what they want the organization to do and to be... We want to feed the homeless, okay? Then after a year or the generation, then after it's a year, you people get like, well, this is a full-time people. job, and, and yeah. I'm working Well, y'all are involved with community theaters. Do you see that, the same thing with theaters? Oh, God, yes. It happens all the time with theaters. Houston, yeah. so Houston think- community theater especially is falling apart. We've right. lost, last in the last five years, we've lost, what, 10 theaters? Right, but the Greater Houston area also had more than 70 theaters, and so what happens, some of our amalgamating, uh, some are with grant writers getting some underwriting. There was a theater called Country Playhouse uh, in the Katy area that is uh, now in Queensbury. And so they completely revamped themselves, but they kind of messed up a bit where the whole uh, upgrade, basically the old building was torn down, new building was was paid for oh, th- through philanthropy. But they went on and charging literally more than double your typical community theater seat saying, well, we want to be an equity theater. So people stayed away in droves. They're like, well, I can see if you're not equity. So we have, I think, six equity theaters. Now we have Tuts, um, Alley, Main Street. Queensbury is trying in one or two uh, stages of repertory. I've only heard of Alley and Tuts. Ensemble. Don't forget Ensemble. Ensemble. Thank you. That's the sixth one. Ensemble. These uh, are six theaters. When you say Greater Houston, you mean like Greater, Greater Houston, Houston. Bel Air, okay. Spring, Sugarland, okay. you know, the metro area. He means inside the loop. Well, no. Which all loop? those theaters, Which except loop? for Queensbury, all of them are inside the loop. They are, but that just, they happen to be. Uh, I didn't even know that. Mm-hmm. I've only heard a couple, a handful of, uh, of them. And there, I don't really, Main Street, Stages, Alley, Tuts. You I've heard, heard of Alley and Tuts, but that's mainly because it's in the theater. Houston District. Grand Opera? Yeah, I know that. Houston Ballet? Yeah, I know you that. You know we have a world-class art scene, right? Well, I know it's. I know the theater district. Yeah. So I know you can't. You can't support a world class art scene without. At yeah, least but a is world Queensbury class is, is Queensbury a world class art scene? No, no, no. <laughs> Queensbury is barely because like Alley Queens, and they want to be. Queensbury's a regional level theater. Okay. At best. Because mm-hmm. I thought Alley and Tuts were like traveling things. Well, the, no. The, no, 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 no. Alley's repertory, which means they use the same cast over and over and various things with. with yeah. um Tuts, you can come. They touch. They bring in people from the outside. Okay, but it's equity level. So you have the uh, Tuts is of course theater under the stars because it was originally outdoors at the Miller Outdoor Theater, and then they got moved into the downtown area, Jones Hall, uh, and other places, uh, the the Coliseum back in the old days, and so they have enough money to where they bring in the Broadway touring Broadway series. So a show will be just leaving Broadway or about to go on Broadway, and Tuts will take it and bring it here. Mm-hmm. And that's like that's why Jekyll and Hyde started in Houston before it even hit Broadway. Ran for three years in Houston while he Tommy Toon also. Tommy Toon. We have the Tommy Toon Awards. He's big 
and 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 theater. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, but Houston doesn't actually have any community theaters anymore. We have a lot of small theaters, but we don't have any community theaters. Like community theaters like we have here? I don't know. I don't know about the Conroe theater scene. I know <laughs> in Houston, a community theater is a theater that is actually active in its community. It actually brings people in, gives lessons. Um, the theaters in Houston tend to well, I know not give lessons, not really try to attract people from uh, outside theater into the I, theater. I know the Players Theater have like a kids deal. Yeah, both the, and then, uh, up here in Conroe, the Players Theater Company has uh, CYT. Um, the the operate both in the Owen and the Crichton because the the Owen is a is a city building that is leased to the players. Uh, Stageworks, believe it or not, is huge with that. They have the Stageworks Academy and a huge outreach, which uh, that when they changed the name from Houston Family Arts Center for various reasons, they decided to up the yeah. outreach on that really huge. But uh, with their academy, for instance, that they're not actually in Houston. Oh, and that's the thing, <laughs> and that's why they have to outreach so much because they're not allowed any Houston grants. Houston Arts Alliance won't give them a single grant because they're in Cyprus. Even though they have a Houston address and a Houston zip code, there's, you know, how the city lines yeah. do their little things. They're in Cyprus, so they're not eligible for a single Houston grant. I feel like that's something you complained to the mayor about. They did because Cyprus doesn't have an arts grant. So they, they go out with... Well, I mean, research. I feel like if you have a Houston address, well, you should Houston, be eligible. Houston Arts Alliance isn't a government entity. Houston Arts Alliance is a, is a nonprofit. It's 501c3. Yeah, right. And... But who See, gives, who gives money goes, to them? And that goes back to the uh, central authority problem. Again, a lot of philanthropy. Okay. You know, they have a board of directors. Um, you know. the, the dues that they come in. Yeah, so if you're not in actual Houston city limits, that cuts you off from a lot of opportunities. So you have to um, grow out. Now, Montgomery County does have a huge art scene that's just growing. That video I was shooting over the last couple of weeks, the people I was interviewing blew me away mm-hmm. with what we had, especially the mayors. Well, something happened, either in the state or the federal level, where grants were, like you said, that's the way to go now. And you have a professional grant writers, almost. But everyone's aching for the same piece of pie. Yeah. yeah. And, See, and that's it gets... the problem. It was... At, at, when, it was when, when, it, when it was just the wild jungle, and there were community theaters or and, and small theaters all over the place, they depended on, on their patrons. Yeah, like season ticket holders and all that stuff. Yeah. Well, well, they'd they'd also give, they'd also donate because no theater can survive on ticket sales because ticket sales barely pay for the rent, pay for the space. Yeah. Um. So, but then they started creating. They started getting together. Houston Arts Alliance started because leaders of certain museums and certain theaters thought that it'd be better to centralize collections and centralize donations and well, yeah. disperse them out. Well, let's talk about when we come back, uh, McPass and who's going to take on their responsibility. Yeah, the growth potential for GCAA, fingers crossed. Yeah, you're listening to Lone Star Community Radio. It is around 9 to 59. We're going to take a quick break. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. Into this world with all. Our talk shows and music shows are looking for sponsors. Want to expand your brand awareness? Reach the hyper-local audience in Montgomery County? Lone Star Community Radio sponsorships accomplish this. Want to see our stats and rates? Check out IRLoneStar.com sponsor for more information. 
or call in and leave us a message at 936-647-3776. If you give this man a ride, sweet family will die. Killer on the road. Welcome back. Morning's Lone Star, Dick and Skippy, 10.05 on the dot. Temperature already up to a balmy 79 degrees. Yeah, Ooh. that's right. The uh, storms be a coming, gathering. Uh, so be safe out there. Wear your umbrella, grab your galoshes, and do what you got to do. You got Brett in the studio with us this morning and uh, telling all kinds of tales on, on me. Uh, but that's okay. My life is an open book. Okay, it's closed now. Good. There we go. Oh, was I supposed that. to say something yeah, there? Yeah, I'll just you let you do chance. it. You know, you had your chance. Just letting you do it. You, 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 you missed well, it. So. When, we, when we left you guys last time, we were talking about McPass shutting down after 40 years, and we were talking about the kind of the ripple effect of time mm-hmm. and how things are changing in the sense of generations, like what's going to happen to nonprofits and uh, what's going to happen, especially here in Conroe and in Montgomery County, because everything's growing and changing. And that, what do we foresee? And if you're listening, you're on Facebook or YouTube, feel free to type in on the comment section and let us know what you think is going to change the most when it comes to uh, the community and also the nonprofits and what's going to grow from it. Because they gave, what, they gave $35,000 to the Greater Conroe Alliance? Yeah, uh-huh. And what do they put on exactly? The Greater Conroe Arts Alliance, now that is like kind of the repository of different arts. So, you know, the art gallery, yeah. Symphony, you know, it, it's almost like a better business bureau for the arts here, kind of. Uh, puts them under that that umbrella. It's like Houston has the Houston Arts Alliance. You don't have to be a part of it. If you're not a part of it, you can still, you know, do just fine and dandy. But it helps with networking and, and brand recognition. So GCAA, by its very name, the Greater Conroe Arts Alliance, specifies the Conroe area, while McPass, again, by their name, the Montgomery County Performing Arts Society, means that we've gone from a county-chartered nonprofit to a city-chartered nonprofit. So this is a golden opportunity for GCAA, uh, Gulf, Co- uh, Gulf Coast, Greater Conroe, to extend yeah. into Montgomery, into Magnolia, into Willis, into uh, Cut and Shoot, Porter, you know, Montgomery County, including the Woodlands. They can actually, because there is, as much as we have Sharks and Jets, with Woodlands versus Conroe. Uh, lots of Woodlands people come up to watch the Conroe shows. In fact, they'll drive to Conroe before they drive into Houston. For the most part, unless, of course, you hit the alley. But for for regional-level huh. theater... How strange. They'll drive five miles sooner than they'll drive 35 miles. Well, you what think, an odd concept. Well, it also depends on the show. You know, you have the Houston theater scene, which is decades in the making, and you do have equity-level theaters, and then you have... Two in Conroe that that are, you know, one's an old, based in an old vaudeville theater. Well, and to be fair, Woodland stole all of Houston's really good concerts with when they opened Cynthia Woods Mitchell Pavilion. That that they uh, did. So people in the Woodlands are used to thinking of the Woodlands and the Montgomery County area when they think of entertainment. They don't think of Houston anymore because well, that's always you know, where you go to a concert. That's why I was always puzzled by the Woodlands not really having a big symphony or a because I know they do. They started one up. Yeah, Daryl Bear. Well, Daryl Bear's had the Woodlands Symphony Orchestra for a few years now. In fact, because you know we partnered up yeah, for that for the Shakespeare, Shakespeare, deal. Shakespeare in the Park. An awesome guy. That's probably why they won the award, but not because of you. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> My job is just to take credit for the hard work I, of I, others. You did great. Hello. You did good. No, they did good. They did good. Everyone did good. But uh, you know, the Woodland Symphony has uh, financial issues themselves. You know, uh, Woodlands has a boys' choir, uh-huh. which they just went to Vienna and partied down with the Vienna boys' choir. These guys are good. These kids are good. But they're just a lot of it's marketing, like you said. A lot of them get PR firms. Now, with my company, well, you know, when I'm not here, I actually have a soft spot, and, and so I will help these nonprofits uh-huh. best that I can with their PR on my dime. And this is not an open invitation for more to Uh-oh. call me um, on, on that. But that's where, you know, so the people who do donate, problem is there's so many, everybody for their birthday on Facebook now, oh, I want to save the save the chickens, uh, you know, save the vegans, save the whales, save uh, the rainforest, save this and that. You can't even wish someone a happy birthday anymore. Now they have a Facebook yeah, uh, so-and-so is asking for donations for their birthday. You don't know when to give up, uh, to, what to give to whom. So either you, you give to the same number of people less money because you don't have as much, or you pick one or two. So instead of doing, you know, so you pick a cause. Is it animals or humans? Okay, if it's animals, is it rescuing them? Is it this? If it's humans, are they homeless or are they veterans or are they poor or are they jobless? You know, you have to pick and choose and get down the nitty gritty of, okay, elderly who can't eat meals on wheels. There yeah, but go. I feel like you're spending way too much time figuring this out. Like the whole train of thought, you're just trying to give money to something, like to really figure out where you're giving your money. And it's really hard to do that today. That's where you, go, you got to go with your heart now. And that's what more and more people are doing. So, well, I mean, because most people, I bet you on the street, if you're asking, hey, what, what nonprofit should I get involved with? A lot of people are like, well, you got to check this website to check their rating. Mm hmm. Because you don't know if they're stealing your money or, or whatever. And, and here's the thing. Most of the local nonprofits operate on like 100% volunteer base. Mm-hmm. You know, even um, the Montgomery County Food Bank, their administration has paid very little for that very purpose. So people are shying away more from the United Ways of the world because they see these memes going around, whether or not they're even accurate. Oh, only 12 cents per dollar goes to services. and But you're pretty much guaranteed in, in a smaller nonprofit that most of that money is going to go back in and not well, I know that, into their I know that was pockets. kind of like in Montgomery County, a lot of their nonprofits, that's it written in their literature, what you spend in the county stays in the county, kind mm-hmm. of, you know, that's their puff piece. But, uh, and I think that also helps the county grow into a positive line because Montgomery County, like I said, was growing and things like that. And we're going to be, the, the county itself is going to be facing some changes. There's going to be a lot of growth pains, it, growing pains with this. Anytime you give money to anybody for anything, do due diligence. Don't just throw money around. Check them out. It, you know, you were talking about the whole only 12%, blah, 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 blah. Some of the places where only 12% goes to mission are these huge places. And the, and the uh, people who are saying goes to mission have limited the mission down to a very tiny part of what the actual mission is. I mean, the uh, Red Cross is one that gets a lot of, abuse for only 12% goes to mission. But Red Cross's mission isn't to show up and disperse blankets at a hurricane. Red Cross's mission is to give assistance when people are in trouble. The Red Cross has volunteers, unpaid volunteers who are heavily trained, who go out to every single major fire or accident that occurs. 
and they help blind people up with new apartments. They help blind people up with their insurance. They help people handle their insurance. They get, they get, they get the blankets. They, they make sure that the, that they've got everything they need to save their lives, well, but do you, they do a lot do more think, than just showing up at a hurricane. Well, similar to what uh, Sean was saying and what you were making a point is it gets replaced. So for example, disasters in the United States, FEMA is working out their efficiency. I imagine since Katrina, like that was just a bad PR move. Like we're talking about that. Now they're getting to the point where you say from your single experience, you've, and you say FEMA did a great job. Mm -hmm. FEMA FEMA did did the best job possible in Katrina. Well, I know I'm not, I know, I don't, I'm not, I'm just saying. You have to understand the problem with Katrina wasn't FEMA. The problem with Katrina was the governor of Louisiana didn't invite the feds into the state. Well, I'm not, I'm not talking about scenario. I'm talking about the PR move. It wasn't a scenario. It's the law. Well, I understand. The feds can't but, come into a state and operate inside a state unless they've been invited right, by the but governor. The, but the perception because of the media and certain personalities when the they're saying. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That it presented something poor. Yeah. Like, you know, that everyone thinks of those trailers. And well, that that's something you can't fight. If well, people are against you, you can't make them not be against you. There's a there's there's a whole lot there's a whole you, lot of bandwagoning with hatred. Do you see FEMA replacing the Red Cross here in the United States? No, never. Never? They can't. Uh, FEMA's government agency, Red Cross, is obviously. I know, but you made that statement when when everything gets centralized, when a cause gets centralized, people stop caring about it. People stop giving. No, it's not that they stop caring about it. They stop feeling responsible. They stop feeling, and it it more has to has to do with personal responsibility. Red Cross itself is a centralized location. It may not be a government entity, but it is a central it is a central authority. Um, well, they also do stuff year round. I mean, there's not they don't yeah. just don't, they don't just say, hey, they had a hurricane. That's all we're doing this year. Yeah. Well, they they advertise all year round and and that and all that other stuff. But uh, yeah. But Brett's right when he says do your due diligence because while you gents have been talking, I've been kind of looking up. You know, Red Cross. An average of ninety one cents of every dollar the Red Cross spends is invested in humanitarian services and programs. Eighty two percent of donations to the Salvation Army go to aid. Um, ninety-two percent of donations to feed the children are put towards relief well, efforts. I, and here we go. The um, well, one of the struggles I imagine with the Red Cross is if you ask me what the Red Cross does, I w- I wouldn't be able to answer a specific thing. I'd be like everything. If you need us, we're there. I mean, that's basically what you everything. what they say because they're international. Uh, but here's the thing: blood, Salvation Army. Check this out. The Commissioner Todd Bassett, his salary per year, um, not plus housing, but his base salary, thirteen thousand dollars a year. And Salvation Army is a two billion dollar a year nonprofit organization. That's that particular CEO. Uh, yeah, he he actually took a cut because because mm-hmm. because Salvation Army took a black eye because they were paying their CEO way more than he mm-hmm. than anybody should make, and and this guy took a cut down to net down to next to nothing. Goodwill's another one where the CEO yeah. <clears throat> took took a cut, and United Way was slow in that because the CEO was was very yeah. highly paid. Yeah. Another centralization problem. Hunter, are you talking about Red Cross? No. Okay. Salvation Army. Salvation Army CEO. Okay. Um, I guess the Red Cross lady gets 500,000. Because the United Way, all they do is, all all the United Way does is disperse funds to other nonprofits. Yeah. They're they're basically, the Houston Arts Alliance, the GC Arts Alliance are the same thing. They're basically United Way for arts. Mm -hmm. Although I did think of something. Um, With your Cypress friends. Mm -hmm. If they're no longer in the Houston zone, that means that they have a better chance of getting an NEA grant. Oh, yeah. And they actually hired a grant writer 
this last set of board session to do such a thing. Because yeah, they're not competing with heavy hitters like HGO and Ensemble and blah, blah for the NEA grant. Right. It, absolutely good point on that. Diggy looking up the salaries and stuff. Yeah, it's kind of shocking that there's, uh, a, there's a whole list. But well, really? Go ahead. Yeah, there's a whole list. Of, but what's, what's interesting, like the United Way... There's different United Ways, but they're all under one thing. So, like, the United Way guy might get paid a lot, but he's different from the United Way we use here. Well, look at Red Cross. Remember, Red yeah. Cross is international, and that's any disaster, they're there. So... Actually, Blue Cross in a couple of countries. True. Uh, in fact, Blue Cross in England. I'm just looking. I'm just, I'm just checking. So, you have that, but then let's say you have someone in Goodwill who it's much more of a domestic-based mission you would expect there to be smaller payment yeah. to the Goodwill CEO than the Red Cross CEO. Well, they even have, like, the United Way has a whole website page dedicated to explaining to you why we pay this guy $175,000 in incentive pay. So, I mean, I know that's kind of like one of the first things people ask, like, how much do they pay their, their people? Mm. And now they have to explain why they pay this guy so much. And... A lot of it, a lot of it, they have to do for the transparency. But if they have any hope of maintaining the money, because all it takes is the headline. United Way CEO makes a million dollars a year. Give it up. You know, this is suddenly a lot of money doesn't come in. Well, especially with the outcry media. That's what I'm saying. That's all it takes is just the headline. Um, you don't even have to click on it, and that you're, it'll nosedive. So they have to preemptively say, "Well, this is why." No. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think that's. Uh, do you think it's going to get worse with that, or I think? It because right now the Me Too and that kind of thing is the the big headline to really change someone's career or change someone's opinion real fast. Yeah, I think that will die down eventually when people realize the power that because um, we have over the weekend there are even more people being accused and like absolutely not. Chris Hardwick is the latest now. Yeah, and people are fighting back, going no. And remember how I said a while back, give it another month. And at that point, if someone, if you haven't come forward since by that point, then well, that's the, where your your belief factor starts plummeting. Yeah, and I think that's what, I think that's the point we're at now. Well, when we come back, we're going to cover more news items and have more fun with Brett and Skippy. So you're listening mm-hmm. to Lone Star Community Radio on IRLoneStar.com and Condors FM 104.5, 106.1. A Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's radio station with talk, music, weather, and traffic for Montgomery County. Have a question or comment about one of our shows? Want to know how to reach a host? Just contact the station at IRLoneStar.com or call in and leave a message at 936-647-3776. Get involved with your community with Lone Star Community Radio. Welcome back. Morning's Lone Star, 1023 on the dot in the studio. You got Dick, you got Skippy, who's trying to emotionally come to terms with the fact that Dick might be cheating on him with the ticket stub guys. I'm just now looking at it. Hmm. We'll have to talk about that off the air, Dick. I don't know if I want to share you. I think you got some issues in your work now. I do. They're unresolved issues, uh, but not not for public consumption. We'll we'll take it off the air. Yeah. We also got Brett in the studio. And we're talking all about all kinds of stuff today. Uh, we talk about the uh, uh, 
issue of some theaters going bye-bye. Uh, listener Clint asked who disbanded. We're presuming that's what you meant. Uh, some theaters, uh, you know, some disband, some go away. My own theater has been off the grid for uh, a year or two now, but it's coming back on the grid because you got to get a facility, you got to get resources, you got to build out. You can't just find a building and say, oh, good, we have a theater. Put in seats, you have to hit code, you have to get lights and grids, so forth and so on. Uh, but the storm, Harvey did actually... Code? Who, what? Code? 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 Code. Put it to code. code. I'm, what does I've that been phrase in Houston mean? theater for 25 years. I'm, 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 I'm struggling with this whole up to code. You're thing. dealing with starter rounds. That's what you're dealing <laughs> with. No. Now many of them had been there for years. Code is a code is a foreign word in theater. There, I feel like when people say the show must go on, they uh -huh. don't really think about you know no matter what the show uh -huh. must go on. Oh, that's exactly what it is. Screw like the that. code. We don't we don't have a retractable knife. Use a real one. Oh man, that has so much happened. Going. I had a I had a show that I was directing. One of my actors had her own bathroom that was just hers because she would come on, do her scenes. She had a, she 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 suffered from a uh, intestinal issue and IBS. Yeah, I mean, I'm no, kidding. it was a flu. I, I, I understand. It was a flu. She actually had a flu, and and she she came anyway. She rushed to the restroom and came back on. And she, we got a standing O without telling anybody what was going on. But can you, man, ma it was can a you imagine night. a documentary based off For that? Yeah, right. <laughs> We're following a day in life of this actress who has to use the restroom every 35 minutes. But so uh, we were talking about theaters and like, mm -hmm. so which ones are gone? Or are, are, are closed down or whatever, well, whatever the right way you want to put it. Mind you, gone doesn't necessarily mean that they've disbanded or that they've um, closed out as a 501c3 yeah. organization. They may still exist, but they've, Fallen off the radar, they no longer exist. Fort Bend Community Theater is gone. Um, hate, Upstage hate Theater is on extended hiatus. Mm -hmm. uh, With a rebrand and coming north. Yeah, that's... What does if that you mean? can get the is... board together. <laughs> oh, board already met. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. But cool, all right. Uh, there were a couple of others that I heard from because I'm on the periphery these days that... Well, it's like any small bit. It's know. a small business. The uh, community theater is a small business. Okay. And uh, depending on if you have a product that people are willing to buy, you succeed. Or if it could be uh, out of your control. You know, there's a theater that got hit hard by Harvey. Fortunately, they lost a lot of equipment and costumes. Fortunately, my theater was in a position to loan those items to them, quote, unquote, indefinitely, you know, you know for no set period of time. So it enables them to get going, rebuild their money before I take this equipment back. Uh -huh. So whereas there's a healthy competition uh, between theaters, no theater, well, maybe with one or two exceptions, actively wants to see another theater fail. I do. I'm just kidding. I you don't do. really care. As long as they put on good shows. Well, see, here's the thing with the Crichton, the Owen, uh, you know, facing down. Uh, what do you mean facing down? Oh, okay, yeah. Like facing down. Okay. Yeah, Cross literally facing down and also like kind of sharks versus jets. You know, there's a healthy competition. It's not the Owen doesn't want the Crichton to fail. You, you know, uh, players don't want stage right to fail. They want to beat them. Well, being here and that for builds the five plus years, I would say their choice of shows are drastically different from one another. Mm -hmm. Because to me, it seems that the players focus on more 
uh, traditional traditional shows. And you know, and the, over here they do like Legally Blonde, which I mean, I don't why? know who would go see that, but I mean, I know my mom probably would. But do you I'm, know you know the main reason behind that? Because it's fun. Well, beyond that, the Owen is a straightforward theater with non you know three hundred and something seats, three hundred seats, and not a lot of fly space, which means the ceiling. You only get 12 feet up before your head hits the lights okay. hanging down. The, oh, uh, the Crichton has sounds 30, like 40 foot Sounds like they're just ceilings. afraid to break break the mold. Well, you, here's the thing. You Fly can't, this. You can't do... <clears throat> you don't think that... If you have a, well, if you have a 12 foot ceiling, back? you can't have a two-story set. Oof. Yeah. I don't know. It's just Also, a, if you only have a 12 foot ceiling, you can only have one set per show ever. Uh, if you have fly space, you drop it. You drop a teaser down. You can pick up, you can pick up whole sets and drop okay. whole sets back. Up. And that's what the that's what the Crichton has. So okay. they, you know, they, they can do the bigger ones like that. Now it's it's tougher. You know, I when I, when I do shows, I tend to have multiple sets at the Owen, but we use the wing space. Or even if you uh, watching Kiss Me Kate, we actually built the set on stage during the opening number by opening up the the sliding doors to the back of the stage where everything's kept, the where the shop is. And had the set prefabbed there. So as people are singing, we raise those doors and bring out the set and build it during the opening number. And so that's how you can take a uh, a disadvantage and take an art, uh, make it artistic, make it part of the show. Okay, cool. Were you involved in Oliver at Fort Bend? No. Did you see it? No. Oh, my God. They had three complete sets built in rollaway boxes on the stage that they just kind of flipped them around and flipped doors. It was... It was an amazing piece of mechanics and would have been great if it had been properly organized. But it was it was a good show and the actors were great, but it it was yeah. Just reminded me of what you were talking about because oh, Fort Bend it, had no fly space. And just, this was in their Westwood location. Their their Stafford location had no fly space at all. Their Stafford location, they would they they were envious of your fly space here in the theater. Right, the and there's a theater system. called uh, Theater Southwest, which they have <laughs> eight to ten foot ceiling. I mean, seriously, if you have a tall person, if you cast a tall person, you're in trouble. Uh, every theater adapts, and it helps. You know, some theaters you have like a little black box area where you do the intimate in your face stuff. Some theaters are designed for grand. Right now, the Crichton is designed for grand stuff because that's that old vaudeville theater. So you have forty foot tall ceilings. And, and plenty of fly space and a balcony. So you can play to the balcony. Um, so it's hard to do an intimate show, you know, like a little two-man show, like, you know. Well, I mean, I've seen them try to do intimate shows. Like I saw Driving Miss Daisy, mm -hmm. and the set was very minimal. Even in the car scene. Elephant Man is another example. Yeah, and like it's just, oh, I, I think that's Craig Campbell. I think he's just really good at doing the intimate stuff. Right, but, but I mean, uh, it's difficult to put an intimate show on in a huge honking theater. Yeah. Because when they did the cars, it wasn't even a car. It was just them sitting in chairs and they were pretending to drive. And the mm -hmm. lighting was interesting because mm -hmm. they kind of cut it off at the, at the feet and stuff. But it was still good. I mean, I, I, I watched the entire thing. I didn't fall asleep. Oh, that's that's, that's how plus. I judge. That's how I judge shows. I don't fall asleep. So, what, 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 what did you want them to do on stage? You wanted them to bring in a fifty-seven Studi and just sit in a fifty-seven Studi? Yeah, I have no lines? idea. <laughs> I mean, this is theaters, you know. Well, here's the thing, Miss Saigon. No there's I mean, an they actual, made it rain during. They actually you know, have a helicopter. It's called for in the script. There's also yeah, some really nasty stuff called for in the script that I cannot yeah, see with Saigon what I'm going on here in Conroe. You can't put on Miss Saigon and, and have just guys in the back going. 
to, to fake it. You know, you have to have the helicopter it's called for. So you, you can't put on that show unless you have money to say, we're going to prefab a realistic looking helicopter, not something made out of foam core and yeah. like looking like Charlie Brown, uh, Lucy's psychiatrist booth. Okay. Well, I mean, I think theater is going to continually, continually improve here because of the arts and the, the heaviness of now the Conroe Art Alliance kind of inheriting the McPass stuff, which to me, I'm, I'm interested to see what they're going to be doing over the next couple of years because they mainly handle that medley building, right? From what I understand. Medley. Medley. Thank you. The Medley Art Gallery. So, okay. Well, let's switch gears a little bit because we got another break coming on. Uh, we got the head of the VW... Audi. Audi, yeah. He got arrested. He, he's in the pokey right now because they so. don't want to take a chance on him changing the, the diesel numbers. So that was a surprise. Yeah, they were fined a billion dollars, uh, I think, last week. And then now it's come out that they arrested him. So, which is, you haven't really heard, you don't hear that really, like CEOs and, you know, head executives getting arrested, is unless the, you're in China. It's the actual CEO of VW Audi or is this the C, CEO the head of VW of, Audi America? In Germany. Oh, in Germany. in Germany. The Germans arrested him. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, they got, I mean, that guy's in trouble. But people are still buying those cars. I mean, there's, that's the way it is. Okay. Right. So, so Glenn's saying he still doesn't know the answer. Uh, I guess we need a, a reframing of the question. Your if, favorite theater. Glenn. No, he, it was your favorite theater, the one that you go to all the time. That's the one that closed because you did not donate enough money. So <laughs> your fault. you might be able to bring it back to life if you go find it and give it $150 and say, come back, please. I love you. There you go. Works for me. Also roses. They want roses. Well, uh, no, one thing I wanted to talk about with this VW deal, do you feel the way the United States handles this kind of stuff, especially with the bank, like Wells Fargo got in big trouble for what they were doing and they stole a lot of money or they mis misrepresented a lot of money. Mm -hmm. what, why do you think besides the bro code or whatever, they're not getting in trouble. Do you see that ever changing? Well, that was now with the Audi deal, that was literally at the top. Yeah. The I mean, that was, Wells Fargo situation with the other comps opening up, that was quote mid management level. Now, of course they it could have gone up across the, the country. Yeah. But that was, if there was a smoking gun of uh, the CEO or the board, saying, hey, this is what we're going to do, it would pop up at some point. Yeah, Someone in there would be going, hey, wait a minute. This is wrong. It just takes one whistleblower. Very rarely does it come from the top. Well, because, like, if you look at the VW deal, they were fined, like, $20 billion something dollars here. Yeah, and that just happened. And then they had to do the buybacks. Mm -hmm. So people who had the diesel car could sell it back. And you know, there's one guy who totally just started buying VWs, and it's like, perfect, I'm going to sell them back to <laughs> I bet you that happened one time. I bet you did. And do you understand what I'm talking about at all? Okay, good. You're like, you're, just, you're listening. You're not interrupting. God, I can't remember Yeah, that. I know. It was the whole but, different uh, But then over in Europe where they're, they're, ba they're based out of, they arrest a guy and they do $1 billion. So do you just see the courts having just a different balance of punishment? I think both are designed to hurt. Yes. And that's the thing. You know, in America, there's a lot more money to throw around, so you, you find them... 20 times what the other guys find but you don't arrest them there's too much of a legal shield here you you arrest a ceo in america good luck getting a swift trial with a satisfactory conclusion look at enron 
and everybody yeah. involved with it, how long it took, how many resources. How many yeah, went people into commit it. suicide over that. Mm -hmm. so. Well, and and the American the the American head of operations for VW, from what I gathered, he was as much caught like a deer in the headlights about the from the admission because it was it was a German investigation that that discovered up the, the light that, that 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 brought all the uh, mon monkeying around to light. And so when the head office in Germany said, oh, yeah, yeah, we've been pretty much pulling all those numbers out of our butt for the last 20 years. Um, the American CEO, the American head of operations was like, wait, what? Because <laughs> his name was on the was 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 on. And, if, and he didn't know. And as far as I know, that's why he did, personally didn't get in trouble. That's why the company was fined and the company had to buy back the cars. And I'm sorry that all those cars being bought back. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Well, that's what I was trying to understand, like the level of punishment, and this is a worldwide deal. Yeah. And I was like, all right, so from what I'm understanding, in Germany, you get arrested. One guy gets arrested, and you pay $1 billion a company. But over here, no one gets arrested, but you you punish the company instead of the person. So I'm just – I'm interested to see, the, like, the, what comes to light of who that's actually involved. Was this one guy involved? And, like, the United yeah. States guy was like, oh, I have no idea what you're talking about. I was just following – this is what they told me to do, but I had no idea. They had this little It was code a board decision. It. it was above his pay grade. Yeah. Now, the difference between that and Wells Fargo, and Wells Fargo is doing did what almost every business that wants to get away with something cheesy does. They created a policy that is, we will do this a certain way, and we will be nice, and we will not push you to buy products you don't need, and we will not charge you for things that you don't want. And then they put pressure on middle management to perform, to perform quotas. Yeah. I want... You know, I don't, I'm not seeing your service charges being what they need to be. And uh, why can't you be more like hack and yeah. sack office? And you go, hey, how are you guys? Well, we do this. And, yeah. And, and that's how it. So on paper, like, oh. they're completely innocent, even though they're the ones pushing the middle management. But basically, they, they, they've created a Judas goat. Yeah. So that. No one gets in trouble, but. But the middle managers. Yeah. Who lose their jobs and some of them actually go to jail and Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Cause all I read about in like in China, they like do punish like capital punishment or what's the word what's the correct well, word? Well what they, they do execute is, people. Yeah, they shoot you and then they bill the family for the cost of the bullet. So yeah. all right. But legally in China, all those businesses are technically owned by the government. That's true. So screwing around on your business is actively an act of reason. Wait, socialism bad? No. You're listening to Morning's Lone Star. We're going to take a quick break. It's 1038. We'll be back. Make him understand. Do you want to know what's going on in Conroe? Tune in to Keeping Up with Conroe. Keeping Up with Conroe will highlight upcoming events and local businesses in the area. Keeping Up with Conroe will air the second Tuesday of every month at 11 a.m. and will be hosted by the Conroe CVB staff. Keeping Up with Conroe will highlight Conroe's amazing attractions for residents and visitors. So tune in to Keeping Up with Conroe and join the staff of the Conroe CVB every month on Lone Star Community Radio. For more information about Keeping Up with Conroe and the Conroe CVB, go to visitconroe.com. Welcome back to our final segment on Mornings of Lone Star. If that, I know. <gasps> he did it! Thank you, Dick. 1042 on the dot in the studio with Dick That was Dick a better Skippies Linda Hamilton than yours. And Brad, you know Linda Hamilton has a twin sister? An identical twin sister? Okay. Yes. 
She does, and they actually used her in. You, you know, it's funny. Movie. I was when I was watching Avatar. Holly's never seen it, and we saw it. I was like, oh, I haven't seen the movie since I saw it in theaters, and it, it's almost like a video game, like the plot. The plot is like the standard mm-hmm. adventure video game mm-hmm. where you take the hero who's new to the area and then they go for the first hour of the video game. You learn how to use the buttons and like the way the world works. Here's how your prehensile tail can so help you swing the between the movie trees. was a three hour cutscene. Well, no, I'm talking about <laughs> I'm talking about the plot of the ge- of like the whole the, the, the thing that drove the plot was just like any video game. Like, oh, try out your new weapon. Oh, learn how to ride a horse. And now like you keep upgrading. And oh, then, you're and, mortally wounded. See if and you then can it's like, no, oh, you your... want to change the way this world works? Go find this ultimate fantasy creature. Find the tree. And he'll change the world. And he, finds the big, have... he finds the big pterodactyl deal. Do you think they'd like... have Avatar online? Would people like buy that? You know, a monthly subscription to where you're on. What's the name of the place? Pandora? Well, like, imagine being that military general and you lose, you lose the planet. Like, that guy's never always dead. But, like, he's never, like, the, he think, about, dead. think about the embarrassment of that because uh-huh. they literally lost to people with bows and arrows right i'm so, sorry i couldn't get my head around the idea of an online experience because you're talking about 40 year old neckbeards playing uh, sexy smurfs and <laughs> that's the unfortunately market. i can totally see it happening that's it's the market just, i'm telling you <laughs> well, I mean, like, well, because Holly's like, I like that movie. I was like, well, then you'll like most video games because that's literally what you do in the like most adventure video games. You do exactly that plot of Avatar. So, like, the last long form video game I played in a very long time, I'm finally unboxing all my old stuff. It was called Alan Wake. Yeah. And it was a horror yeah. one. And I loved it because I could see it as a movie, especially when it gets very surreal at the end. Um, You can see it actually playing out that it would have been written as a been written as a movie script yeah don't play it it's 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 a good game and it's got great oh, I played and it. it's got a beautiful plot but the gameplay is just awful I, I played it in fact uh my daughter who's usually scared of her own shadow would actually go on youtube and come out dad okay this is how you beat that part she just got into it so much it's as a video game it's an excellent movie yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, but no, it's it, certainly no dragon's lair well it's just funny to me is watching that and i was like and it made me think about They've already filmed, I think there's four of them that he's doing, James Cameron. He's doing at least two more. And they've already done filming. Like the main lady, Naturi, not to, whatever her name is, the character's name, the mm-hmm. woman, she's already done with her filming. That's yeah. Zoe Saldana. Yeah, she's yeah. done. So I was like, okay, so they, because of course the long time is the putting it all together. But I go, where are they going to go with this? Because because I haven't seen Avatar in a while and I watched it again. And basically this Umobtanium or whatever is such a high value deal. They're just going to come in and exterminate people. Like, I don't know. Like, no, where do you go next? You know, they're going to go Dune with it. Instead of the spice, it's this. Yeah, but they don't use that no. metal. On Dune, they don't use, they don't use the spice themselves James either. James Cameron doesn't yeah, have do. that much depth. James Cameron doesn't <laughs> yeah, have do. Arthur C. Clarke's depth. He's not going to be able to pull. It's going to be like the old Hollywood thing. Yeah, we'll go. Schindler's List 2. He finds another list. You know, that kind of thing. It just, well, because the first one, Avatar is too much of, to me, it was too obvious as a, like, political thing to it. Oh, yeah. You had your your stereotypical bad guy. Burn Gully Smurfs. Yes. But I th- what was most obvious was the dialogue. And I'm like, people aren't this one-sided. Like, I imagine, like, one guy. They are when you have a political statement in your movie. I know, but, like, I can see one guy being like that, but not everybody in the room. Because, like, to totally disregard Sigourney Weaver... 
Like, this, that's just not going to happen, especially with a highly politicized invasion of a planet. There's going to be reporters. There's going to be something, you know, talking about how people are treated, especially when they blew up the tree. What if they mix it with, like, Jurassic Park where it's Jurassic Moon where you go there and see the, see the cute aliens? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't know where they're going to go with the sequels to this because from the end of the Avatar, I totally forgot the end. The ending is the planet, they're, they're making the people leave. The planet, like they're literally walking into the ships and all the. I'm telling you, it's, it's just, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, so the dude, they way, use the spice, but not the, the. They only use like one percent. The other ninety nine goes out to the space pilots because that's how they fold. Well, space. The, and you can tell well, from the, the look on Giovanni Robisi's face that they're going to come back with a tactical nuke and drop it from orbit. Yeah, because <laughs> they're going to learn that the metal isn't changed by nuclear bombs. So it's like, yeah, just nuke it, and then let's just blow up the planet and grab the floaty piece of metal. Well, they can't get the metal anyway because it's unobtainium. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot be obtained. It's in the war. It's in the name. I mean, I, I mean, come on. That's that's what I just don't understand. I was like, why make a sequel? I know it made a lot of money. I get that. Why there's a sequel because they can still well, make some cash. But. Okay, now what came first, the movie or the plans for Avatar World? I don't know. I don't think James Cameron knew it was going to be that big of a success. Like the, it was a huge movie. I think. Like, well, was, I don't know. I think he expected James Cameron. His ego is larger than even mine, so I think he kind of expected it was going to be something. It was know, mostly. Did a, you think he was? Gonna, as far as I know, it was mostly just a, a a way of showing off his 3D process. Yeah. And selling that, and not so much selling the movie. But well, you know what? Hey, if the movie's well, going mean, to make a million, a gabillion dollars, go. Let's go for it. I mean, he's good at doing sequels. Yeah, well, both with uh, Terminator and Alien. So, but that's what I'm, tra- yeah. what I'm trying to figure out the plot because the plot was so simple, and they're really, I mean, because they, they don't really use the metal because, like the in, in Dune, they use the spice as part of the culture mm-hmm. of the people who were there. This could just be a longer version of Chekhov's rifle, where in the first movie they don't, but now, now that it's in play, because I didn't really get why they used the metal in the first place. It was just like one of those objects that was it, rare. It wasn't really a metal. It was a, uh, it was a high energy metal. It was more like uranium. Okay. In that it it was used. They use it for power. It was used for space for 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 it was so like high spice. energy like thing spice. that was used for space travel. They like spice. I'm telling you, this is they're going to go the Dune route on this one. No, spice was to keep the pilots stoned so that they could actually do hyper travel without the going slaves? insane. Yeah, well, I'm saying, aren't they slaves? Basically, yeah, the, those the creatures. Yeah. yeah, well, different. they were human. They were they had been human to be to begin with, and the spice had turned them into those big worm oh, things. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. the not the not the not the sandworms, the pilot things. Yeah, man, those movies. That, that's gonna be a cool movie. They're redoing it. The yeah, guy who the did book. the guy who did <laughs> Blade again. Runner's doing it yet again. Read the books. I did, and I have a long time ago though. That was like yeah. ten years ago. So probably I'll have a whole new perspective today. But uh, that's one thing I liked about the books because it was it was big enough to where the, all the information was relevant, most of it. Because there are some books today, like when the Harry Potter came out, the first three are great because they're only like three hundred pages, two hundred pages. And then, yeah. But then when I guess I don't know what her deal was, but she's like, oh, maybe I can make more money by tripling the amount of pages. And then it got way too over. Like I did not enjoy the Look fourth at one. Any series of books, the next. The, sec- the 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 thir- the books after the set first two will always start getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Really? Yep. Did that happen to Lord of the Rings? Well, now that was literally quote a tale that grew in the telling. He actually he started writing Lord of the Rings as a serial for his son Christopher, who was in the Royal Air Force at the time during World War II. Okay. And so he literally had no idea where it was going to go when he started writing it. Uh, the actual final. 
because remember what we have is the the three books fellowship two towers is not six books three volumes yeah there were three volumes of six books he wrote it as six and they were pretty equal uh, uh but the the the, vol the volumes that the publisher put them in the three volumes fellowship two towers and return of the king were kind of lopsided which is why they took all of his notes for the timeline and what happens to everyone and puts it at the end of the return of the king to basically pad it out to fit the rest way too much <laughs> Too much information. But yeah, I don't know where they're going to do Avatar. I just don't see it. I don't I don't know. I'm excited to see it because it's like, this is one of those things where you go, where are they going with this? See, I'm more, I'm, I'm more interested in the live action Dumbo. Yeah? Yeah. And I don't really remember they, the story of Dumbo because if I remember it correctly, it's about a disfigured elephant who doesn't fit in and the, he finds a place in the circus and then he randomly can fly. Well, he he's is that he, right? he's, he's well, disfigured because fly. he has giant ears. Yeah, bigger than ele regular elephant ears, and he was born in the circus. And the circus is like the flying nun. The circus is where he didn't really fit in. Okay, and then he is taught to fly because they can make money from it. No, actually, he, no he he came up with that himself. His, his flying was basically the end of the movie. His his final flight because he chased all the other elephants away and chased the clowns away, and he was being kind of kind of a jerk. A jerk to them, but they were a jerk to him, so it's okay. <laughs> so the movie teaches See, kids to fight that, back. Yeah, right. That's the thing that's going to interest me is one of the one of the one of the pivotal moments of the movie mm -hmm. is uh, the crow scene. So uh -huh. he and he and his he and the his incredibly friend, racist crow scene. You mean the hilariously racist crow scene, the hor horribly racist crow scene? But the thing is, is, those crows are the ones who give him the ability to fly by giving him the magic feather. They're also the ones who teach him that being different isn't a bad thing because these are guys who are on the outside of society. And these are the only people who can teach him that not being different isn't a bad thing because they're on the outside of society. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry, you're not going to listen to advice about being different from, from Bob, the football player, who's nine feet tall and all the girls like him and he's the captain of yeah. the football team. He's the president of the student council. You're going to listen to the teacher who's kind of a little weird, but everybody likes him anyway, because he's the good teacher, even though he's on the outside of the, of the popular group. That's just the way it is. But, and that's what I want to see. I want to see how they replace the crows because they're going to have to. Because that was, like you said, it was a pivotal moment. Yeah. And oof, that's going to, you know, it's going to be so cheesy too. Knowing them, it's going to be stupid. They're actually, I bet they don't even acknowledge that. I bet it just had, like, he just learns to fly on his own. Well, it's more he human oriented. The, the, this is more human oriented than the other one was. You can tell already just from the. Is like PETA going to rescue him from the circus? No yeah. I don't know, but. Uh, I also thought uh, Colin Firth had a, a tiny arm. But he has no arm. That's what it was. Like in the in the trailer, you see everything. I'm like, is he have a tiny arm? And he doesn't. He has no. He's a nub. Aw. I think it's a nub. Colin Firth. Is his name Firth? Colin Farrell. Yeah, Farrell. Yes. Yeah. What's Colin? Who's Colin Firth? It's Colin Farrell. Colin Firth is the English actor. So Colin Farrell <laughs> is the Irish actor. Yes. Okay. Big difference. Uh, but yeah, hey Brett, I want to say thanks for coming in. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it was a lot of fun today. No, Learned a lot about you. So look at the, okay, now we got your facial shot there for, so, uh, for recognition purposes. Now that you've got my voice in my face, you can have me all the yeah, time. Yeah, and we're going to be needing that cup 
from you when you're done with it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, no, we gotta be clo- we gotta be closing down today's show. And I want to say special thanks to the sponsors today with Conroe Coffee and Clean Sweep Office Cleaning. We love you guys. A lot of fun. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow morning here on Mornings with Lone Star. And a special treat on Wednesday. Yes, Wednesday I won't be here, but Rick the Reluctant Cowboy will be engineering. Uh, tomorrow at 1030, we're going to have some folks in the studio. We're going to be talking about the George Springer 4th Annual Celebrity Bowl benefit happening here. And uh, so we're going to be doing that. It's going to be fun. And uh, outside that, have a good day, everybody. And you, stay dry. You're listening to Lone Star Community Radio, IRLoneStar.com, Montgomery County's community radio station. Coming up next is going to be a replay of the weekly business hour, but then Conroe Culture News will be all new. And then, of course, Nerd Thug Radio at 2 o'clock, and then Rick the Reluctant Cowboy coming in, and then Lone Star Country Nights. You're listening to Lone Star Community Radio. We'll see you later. His brain is squirming like Thank you for checking out this production of Lone Star Community Radio. Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's community radio station. Don't forget to check out this show and many others across the Lone Star Community Radio Network. Either live on Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, the Lone Star Internet Radio app, or IRLoneStar.com's live audio stream, and on replay on podcasts, Channel 12's Our City TV and Conroe, or Channel 21 KVQT in Houston, and of course their YouTube channel. This production is copyrighted and all rights are reserved by Lone Star Community Radio. Have a question regarding this program or other Lone Star Community Radio shows? Want to sponsor or start your own show? Call the station message line at 936-647-3776 or email the station at lscrstudios at gmail.com.